Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another year of Cotton Grower Magazine's Cotton Companion Podcast. I'm Jim Stedman, editor of Cotton Grower, along with my good friend and associate, Beck Barnes. We trust everyone had a great and safe holiday season. And for those of you that follow such things, we hope your favorite college football team did well in their bowl game, uh, provided they made a bowl. Uh, Beck, uh, I trust holiday week was a lot of fun around your house with uh, with a bobo one-year-old. Yeah, the baby's great, Jim, but I know that you're trying to lead me into talking about Texas Tech beating Ole Miss in the uh, in the Texas Bowl out there. You know, so that, I, that that never crossed my mind. That was a very skillfully, <laughs> passively lead me to the water to discuss here on the well, it appropriate. To, to be fair, appropriately enough, I mean, this is the Cotton Companion. The majority of the or the the biggest hotspot for cotton makers in the country is Lubbock, and so yes, let's acknowledge that the Red Raiders are the champion of the Texas Bowl with a nice, really good defensive showing against Ole Miss. And uh, yeah, tip of the cap. Tip of the cap yeah. to the Red Raiders out there. I, I, I think as long as we have uh, cotton-producing states represented, you know, oftentimes playing against each other, then, uh, you know, it gets, it, gets, it gets tricky. But we'll yeah. see, you know, we're, by, the, by, the time, by the time this, uh, this program is posted, we'll be through the national championship game, so we'll know whether the state of Texas or the state of Georgia will have the bragging rights for that's right, yeah, that championship. So, yeah, that's a big, that's kind of a big cotton game too, Texas versus Georgia. It certainly uh, is, definitely. But no, and you mentioned the holiday, you know, the holiday weekend here in Memphis, like everywhere else, Jim, we were dealing with what did they call it? The bomb, yeah, the bomb cold snap, bomb cyclone, bomb cyclone, the cold snap, which. If you were inside the loop here in Memphis, Jim uh, wisely is just a little bit outside the loop down there uh, in in the Mississippi suburbs. Uh, but anyhow, inside the loop, yeah, we had uh, rolling blackouts, and then we had a boil water notice for the week of Christmas, which you know, wife's trying to prepare to host family on Christmas Eve, and the lights keep going out, and we can't have water. Let me tell you, it was it was an adventurous uh, Christmas week. Up here, well, Jim. That's that's why they have candles for Christmas, Beck. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it got us in the spirit. You know, it got yeah, us in the Christmas yeah. spirit. Have candles around. A throwback Christmas. Well, you know, I will. Uh, you know, my family made the made the trip up north. My wife is from Northwest Illinois, and so we were up on her family farm, uh, just in time for the thirty six, you know, below wind chills, and uh, you know, whiteout conditions and things like that. Uh, you know, and and. For those that don't know or, or, or don't care, you know, I lived in Wisconsin for 11 years and, uh, or as I say, for 11 winters. And uh, at that point had had enough and, and you know, hightailed it back down to the south at this point. So, yeah, it was a good reminder. I knew what I was in for, but it was a good reminder of why I liked living down here. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't just super fun down here that week. You, know, you, could, you couldn't <laughs> escape it. I, and like truly, I mean, I, I know wherever our listeners are, you guys probably have similar stories. I mean, it was a historic weather event uh, there Christmas week. Yeah, definitely. Well, with that behind us, we're going to go ahead and start 2023 off uh, today with, with one major announcement and a quick news item. And then we're going to discuss and dissect our recently published Cotton Grower Cotton Acreage Survey for 2023. Uh, it's one of the lead stories for our January issue, which should be hitting your mailboxes any day now. 
It's also been posted on cottongrower.com since January 1st, and it's been a pretty popular online read for the past week and a half. So uh, we've got a lot to cover in this uh, in this edition of the Cotton Companion, so let's, let's sort of jump right in. First of all, uh, since 1970, Cotton Grower has annually honored an individual who's demonstrated extraordinary commitment, leadership, and innovation to the cotton industry with the Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. Now, during those years, we've honored 52 individuals, ranging from growers and ginners to researchers and tinkerers. Uh, and the one thing they've all had in common is their movers and shakers in the U.S. cotton industry. And we always start the new year recognizing our latest recipient. So without further ado, we're pleased to announce that Jimmy Sanford of Prattville, Alabama, is our 2022 Cotton Achievement Award honoree. If you ask people who know and work with him on a regular basis, they'll tell you he's been a voice of reason and action for decades in the industry, and he's still going strong today. Just a quick background. Uh, Jimmy is chairman of the board of Home Place Farms in Prattville. He's a fourth-generation cotton producer whose great-grandparents established that family farm back in 1881. He's a past president of the National Cotton Council and Southern Cotton Growers. He has served as chairman of the Alabama Cotton Commission for more than 30 years. He also helped organize and currently serves as president of Autauga Quality Cotton Association, which is a marketing co-op serving growers from Texas to Virginia. And he's also chairman of Choice Cotton, just the only stock-owned producer cotton merchandising company. And by the way, he's also served on the board of Alabama Power for almost 34 years. So with all of that, he still found time to, uh, to manage the 4,000-acre family farm. Uh, and that, that farm comes with a proud lineage and history of service to the industry and to local activities. Uh, Jimmy's been the driver behind several key cotton industry initiatives, including the Upland Cotton Loan Differentials as part of the 1981 Farm Bill. Uh, he worked to get cotton seed designated as an other oil seed, which ultimately evolved into the current seed cotton program of the 2018 Farm Bill, and he's a continuing champion for, uh, for the boll weevil eradication funding. Uh, Jimmy will be the first to tell you he does not like the spotlight. Uh, he considers himself a leader servant who's much more at home working behind the scenes to help build relationships and consensus for the cotton industry. Obviously, there's a lot more to Jimmy's story than we can tell here. So be sure to check out the article, the January issue of Cotton Grower, and online at cottongrower.com. We'll be presenting the award this year to Jimmy during a special luncheon on February 24th during the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show in Memphis, and you can watch for coverage of that special event as well over the next few months. Yeah, yeah, but Jim, uh, well said. Uh, you know, it's hard to, it's a hard task you just took on to summarize somebody's, you know, decades-long career, storied, accomplished career uh, in the industry uh, there in a few paragraphs, uh, a few a few minutes, but you did a good job there. And man, we're excited to hand Jimmy this award uh, right here in Memphis, in downtown Memphis, at the Achievement Award Luncheon. We should mention, sponsored by uh, the great folks at Americot at Next Gen Seed. Uh, so yeah, we, we appreciate them helping us put that little event on, and uh, looking forward to uh, me personally. Looking forward to meet Jimmy. Jim, I know you you've got down there and uh, down there at Prattville and and shook his hand and got to know him. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about getting to meet uh, the man himself. That, that's one of the best part of the jobs uh, over the years is meeting the guys and gals 
who yep. we uh, may uh, honor with the Cotton Achievement Award. Uh, they're always standout people, and um, yeah, just a joy to get to hang out with them. Yeah, and for us, I mean, I, I, I think I've told people, I think the January issue is always one of my favorite issues because we this is where we talk about the cotton. We, we talk about our award winner, and it's a great way to start the year with such, you know, a, it's a it's a nice start because you're coming in and you're talking with someone who has been so involved in the industry, and uh, and not just from a professional perspective, but getting to know them on a personal level as well. Uh, so you know it, it's it's great to sort of keep building that that uh, this this fellowship of uh, of award honorees over the years, and uh, and also you know add it to your to your list of, of friends. Because in most cases, a lot of these honorees have become become good friends of Cotton Grower, and uh, it makes that makes that much more special. Yep, no doubt. We've got one quick news item I want to cover. Uh, in our last podcast, we reviewed uh, Delta Pines' recently announced uh, class of twenty three cotton varieties, and I believe there were five varieties listed in uh, for introduction in twenty twenty three. And since that time, phytogen has announced that they're going to be advancing two new cotton varieties for 2023. Phytogen uh, 415W3FE, broadly adapted mid-maturing upland variety with medium plant height and moderate PGR requirements with resistance to root knot nematodes and bacterial blight. It also includes, obviously, the Enlist Cotton straight trait and the Wide Strike 3 insect protection, and it has demonstrated solid performance and high yield potential in multiple company and university trials across Texas. The other variety is Phytogen 861RF. That's a new Pima variety that offers another uh, jump in yield and fiber quality potential to Phytogen's uh, really strong lineup of Pima varieties. Uh, the variety includes the Roundup Ready Flex for weed control and also offers excellent tolerance to Fusarium race which is a big issue out in that market. So uh, check out the Phytogen website, latest information about these and other varieties, or to find yield data for your geography. So now back, I guess it's time to answer the question, how many cotton acres are going to be planted in the U.S. in 2023? Or at least our our best guess as as we start the year. Educated guess, very educated educated guess. Definitely, definitely. Now, you and I have both taken on this survey over the past decade plus, and I will, I will tell you and I will tell our listeners that this year's survey really and truly might have been easier with a blindfold and a dartboard to come up because it's, uh, there's so many different factors uh, involved in this this year. So uh, it's, uh, I think we're comfortable, comfortable with the number. Let's, let's talk about it just a little bit. Yeah, you know, there's always, um, Jim, to just add some color to what you're saying. I mean, there's, you, when you get started putting this thing together, you you know, there's some kind of um, factors that are already pre-baked into the number. I mean, you know, Texas, there's a floor and a ceiling in the number of acres that are going to be uh, in Texas. You know, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, the variables out there on the high plains, there aren't as many variables in terms of what other crop uh, crops could make it into the crop mix. You know, I mean, they're just kind of a, uh, and that's a big portion when you're talking about Texas, you're talking about 50% of the total number. 
you know, give or take. So, um, anyhow, I, I don't want to ramble, but there, there are variables that are present every year. And I think what you're saying this year is there's, there's a boatload more of them uh, headed in the next year when, you know, we get responses when we, at, when we reach out to our audience and to our extension friends and other knowledgeable folks. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't want to step into your lane, Jim. I mean, you were the one seeing the responses, but I'd imagine you're seeing stuff about, uh, you know, uh, equipment supply and uh, fertilizer and, and plant health product supply, right? Um, Definitely. So, you know, you just have more kind of question marks thrown into the mix this year. Let me say, okay, all right, now let me, let me end the boilerplate disclaimer here. CG's annual acreage survey should never be mistaken for true scientific research. Now, okay, Jim told me to say that, but let me say, you have a, <laughs> you have two brilliant uh, data analysts, uh, University of Tennessee's Mr. Jim Stedman and old Mrs. Mr. Beck Barnes. I mean, we just we're just math basically mathematicians. Uh, obviously, I say that tongue in cheek, but. Um, uh, the council, to be sure, the council's and USDA's numbers that come out uh, later are very uh, thoroughly researched and analyzed and data collection um, numbers that they put out. And we're going to hear from uh, the council and USDA over the next few months in terms of how much acreage is out there. Um, our survey is based on input and conversations with our readers, with state cotton specialists, with economists and other stakeholders uh, with U.S. cotton. Um, it's a reporting job that we do, and uh, we try to do our best with the information I, that we get. Okay, let me give you, okay, so there's the boilerplate disclaimer. Let me also say, in 2020, our number was, and I didn't, this is my fault, I didn't look up 21 or 22, but uh, I think 2020 and 2019 were the last two that I was kind of handling. And uh, so I know that, offhand, the number that we projected in 2020 was 12.082 million acres. And then in June, USDA put out their final acreage number. It was 12.2. So, I mean, we're right there. It's like, as Jim, you said earlier, it's horseshoes and hand grenades. We're pretty darn close to that number that USDA, the final number USDA put out. The year before, our number was 13.66, 2019. We projected 13.66 million acres of cotton in the U.S. A couple months later, USDA comes out, their number is 13.8 million. So, I mean, we're right there. We're very close. And I'm, I stand by the numbers that we put out, long story short. Well, and just, you know, to, to fill in the blanks beyond that, for the last two years, for 21 and 22, uh, we pretty much have been right on it. By the time the uh, USDA number comes out, uh, the planted acres number comes out in, uh, at the end of August. So, uh, I guess not too bad for, you know, for Southern ciphering on all this, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. but anyway, well, as we get to this right now, I want to, I want to point out one overriding comment that I heard from nearly every response that we received or folks we talked with. Now, obviously cotton prices in relation to other commodities are going to strongly influence cropping decisions and acres for 2023. And a lot of those decisions are not going to be made until like right up toward planting time, depending on other other variables. And obviously, as Beth mentioned, cost of production in these inflationary times is certainly going to have an impact too. But again, 
a lot of the things that uh, that you have to look at, there's a lot of infrastructure in place that has to be supported. So, you know, that's that's a factor in uh, in the decisions for a lot of folks. Uh, in some parts of the country, Georgia, we have a peanut cotton rotation every year. So take that rotation into consideration. Is it going to be a higher peanut year? Or is it going to be a higher cotton year? Uh, but either way, it doesn't impact the acreage substantially from that. But anyway, that said, and based on the information that we have in hand, U.S. cotton growers are projected to plant a total, and this is Upland and Pima together. Drum roll. Drum roll. Of 11.57 million acres in 2023. That's a drop of roughly 1 million acres from USDA's uh, planted report last June, or, or basically a 7% de decrease. And like I said, it's really not surprising. So we're going to talk about uh, what our respondents told us sort of on a region-by-region -region basis here. Yeah, yeah, happy to happy to jump in there by region. Um, there in the southeast, sources in uh, this, so you're talking about Alabama, Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas, and Virginia. Uh, they indicated that they're going to plant 2.41 million acres of cotton. It's a big number, this Ole Miss mathematician just stumbled over. 2.412 million acres of cotton in 2023. That represents a 4% disc decrease uh, in acreage from 22. And as the number indicates, uh, acreage across the region should hold relatively flat, maybe moderately down, uh, due again to mainly market prices and uh, input costs. You know, it'll be a familiar story as we go across the belt. Uh, but uh, Alabama is the only state in the Southeast that is anticipating a moderate increase in acreage for 23. Uh, most of the Mid-South states are projecting slight decreases as well for 23, but those losses appear to be offset, offset by slight increases in Arkansas and Mississippi. Uh, when totaled, survey results show 1.86 million acres in 23 across the five-state Mid-South. So, fairly healthy number for the Mid-South. Yep, those numbers Those numbers were, uh, actually, those were the easy numbers. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, when you move to the Southwest, this is where projections start getting a little tricky. Um, after anticipating more cotton acres in 2022, obviously, and sadly, the Southwest was hammered by drought and heat all season, uh, which resulted in a high percentage of insurance claims and abandoned acres. So based on our survey input for this year, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas growers anticipate planting 6.53 million cotton acres in 2023. That's down roughly 16% from the planted acres in 2022. Now, most of this region over the last uh, month and a half have received some deep, you know, some okay rain, rainfall, but uh, to date it hasn't been enough to really reduce the overall drought levels that are still there. Obviously, there are still concerns about how much soil moisture is going to be available at planting. When you move farther out west, uh, grower decisions on cotton in California, Arizona, and New Mexico hinge entirely on water availability or the lack thereof. Uh, water stresses for that region last year were severe. Uh, and although as, as we record this, we're watching, you know, California in particular is getting some major rain. They've had some major snow events uh, since we published a survey. And everybody, uh, fingers crossed. We're going to see uh, we're going to see some improvement 
heading into 2023, but, uh, but I think the jury's obviously still out on that at this point. So optimism about the chances in this region this year was not real high. Uh, projected acreage decreases ranging from 20% for Pima acres to as much as 40% for Upland acres. That pencils out to roughly 261,000 total cotton acres for 2023 across those three states. That's a 14.7% decrease or roughly 45,000 acres. Some of those may come back. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. But uh, I think, Beck, one of the things that's, that's really interesting in this, in, you know, in talking with some of our economist friends, uh, there's, a, there's a thing, there's a formula that, uh, that a lot of these, the economists look at, and it's, it's the corn-cotton ratio. Of you know what's corn prices versus you know in in relation to cotton prices at this point. And as we all know, cotton prices have dropped back down below a dollar and just kind of jumping back and forth from the you know high seventies to mid eighties at this point. And uh, in talking with them, they will say, yeah, if you look at that normal ratio, corn cotton ratio, the best they can they can factor into it's like nine point six million acres for cotton for this year. And then in, in our discussions with them, I said, yeah, but, you know, you still got infrastructure to put in, you know, to take into consideration. And you still got, uh, you know, what are, what are the optional crops in these mar other markets uh, that they may or may not have uh, access to or availability yeah. for? Water uh, availability. Yeah, yeah. Or water, water availability. Uh, plus, just you got to take into consideration that, you know, the the normal natural optimism of a cotton grower, you know, it's, you know, it's what they do. Uh, so, and, in, in, in from that perspective, I think you've seen a lot of these other, some of the other folk kind of coming around a little bit like, yeah, this might be the year where this, you know, this normal formula is the base you start with, but other factors are going to add more acres to it. Um, I think, one of the things we're hearing out of West Texas at this point is a lot of wheat was planted as a cover crop, uh, as as normally happens out there. Uh, up until the big freeze of uh, of Christmas, things were uh, were looking pretty good. Wheat prices were also up, and there was some discussion that a lot of growers may just let those wheat acres, you know, actually grow on out and harvest rather than uh, you know cut them down and, and, and do crop destruct as they as they go into plant cotton. Uh, don't know what's going to happen with that at this point. I don't know how those acres fared uh, coming out of the, uh, you know, the, the frigid temperatures and everything. The other factor on this is, is the break-even price. Where are grower, where do growers consider the price they have to have in order to break even or make a profit on it? And I, Beck, you and I have talked to, I think for a long time, the standard was, you know, 75 cents, 70 to 75 cents, uh, market price, a grower could pencil that out and, and make some money. Um, considering the high cost of inputs and everything else, um, I asked some folks, what's, you know, what's probably the break-even price right now? And that number sits somewhere in that 80 to 85 cent range. In, in yeah. You know, what, what uh, I was hearing is like, if a grower can get 85 cents, they'll plant cotton. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would love to have a new kind of legit, extensive study, uh, somebody to, if there are any, 
extension, <laughs> if there are any extension economists, because there was, a, I'm blanking on the guy's name, uh, <laughs> but there was a guy down at LSU who was an economist who put together a really broad ranging study on that break-even price in cotton. And that's where I've always drawn that 70 to 75 or 70 to 75 cent number from. But yeah, I mean, it's one of these things getting older. It's suddenly it dawns on me that was 10 years ago, man. And, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a fluid number. I mean, as input costs are fluid, so is that break-even price. Yeah. It's, uh, I think to say it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, as, as we record this, um, when we get it posted, I will be sitting at the uh, at the Beltline Cotton Conferences in in New Orleans, uh, probably in the economics session, and uh, to see what uh, what the, what the real economists have to say uh, about this. Uh, I usually take we usually take a few pot shots from uh, you know from some of the folks on our number, but that's okay. We're 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 used to it. Our skins can be can be tough on it, but. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where this number ends up. Uh, I know our friend John Robinson out of Texas A&M sort of sometimes likens his uh, his job to to meteorologist. You know, you look at the numbers, you look at the indicators, you look at everything there, and you, and you do the best you can with the with those numbers. And if they're wrong, they're wrong, and you know they'll they'll adjust as as they go. So. All I can say is uh, set tight, and we'll see where all these uh, where all these acres uh, pan out. Um, obviously, as as we have talked about, this year's survey's got a lot more uncertainty and a lot of trap doors uh, due to uncontrollable market factors uh, than than previous years have had. Uh, it reflects a snapshot of the market situation and prevailing attitudes in late November and early December, even as harvest was still wrapping up in some areas. So again, thanks to the growers, the generous, the consultants, the specialists, and other industry sources for their input. We always appreciate it. Uh, and, and right now, we're just going to look forward to see how our number stacks up to the projections coming out of the National Cotton Council in February and from USDA in March. Yeah. All right. Well, Jim, uh, been a good episode here. Uh, we did a been a while since we had one of these where it's just just your uh, devoted hosts here, uh, audience. It's just it was just Jim and I. We had no uh, uh, big interview, and uh, I think it's been a good one. It's always the time of year between that acreage survey and the achievement award winner where we got a lot to talk about. So I was yes. happy that happy that we uh, approached this episode in this way. Yes, so always always a good way to start the year. Yeah, yeah. I guess we should say Happy New Year to everybody. Um, That's true. It's our first one in the new year. Also, Happy New Year uh, <laughs> to uh, the cotton industry. Uh, here's to a great year. So that's going to do it for this initial episode of The Companion, The Cotton Companion. Uh, as always, we want to thank our dear listeners for joining us, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you do like what you're hearing on The Cotton Companion, do us a favor and tell, spread the word. Tell your friends about the podcast. Here's where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion, or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, the Cotton Grower e-news, 
that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Don Capenia Podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Maestro Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. I'm Jim Stedman, he's Beck Barnes, and we'll be back with you in a few weeks to recap some of the things we've heard and learned about wide cotton conferences. Until then, stay warm and stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a